Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. At a school in Warsaw, seven- and eight-year-olds are singing along to a tune that every Polish child knows. The kids touch their eyes, ears, mouth, and nose as they sing. It's the Polish version of Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes. These children are just starting to learn the language. They've only been in the country a month or two. All of them are refugees from Ukraine. This school is about support, is about love. This school is about just, you are not alone. Oksana Vakil is one of three principals here. When the war broke out and people began flooding into Poland, a group of Ukrainian educators used money from nonprofit organizations to open this school in just 24 days. It's in an unused college building. 300 teachers applied for 22 positions. 400 kids applied for 270 slots. All of them, teachers, staff, and kids, are refugees. The principals had to decide who to accept. We decided that we would take, firstly, children from the hottest point of Ukraine, like Mariupol, like Bucha, like Izum, uh, students who has no uh, possibilities to learn in Ukraine. Because if it's more safe place in Ukraine, they have got online lessons mm-hmm. with their teachers from Germany, Italy, from any part of the world. That means the students at this school are also among the most traumatized. Principal Vakil was trained as an art therapist. She opened a language school near Kyiv before the war, and she remembers the first day she taught a class here. I saw just uh, empty eyes, you know? I'm a teacher for 20 years. I, I teach uh, my English through creative movement all the time, through art. So I get used to move, to, to see the reflection of bodies. And I didn't see the reflection of body. They were just sitting, looking in one... And this is the first grade. When you see the first graders whose nature is to move, to shake, and not to freeze, and you see that they are frozen, they have no emotions, and you try to do this material, that material, and you see no reaction. It's really scary. As the weeks went by, they began to open up. They started to play and make friends. And now when we come, it's noise. Wow, it's noise. They are shouting, they are fighting. In the hallway between classes, kids run up to hug the principal. They range in age from 6 to 18. Art covers the walls. One of the kids has drawn a tree with the days of the week, and there are leaves and branches for... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but Thursday, instead of a leaf or a branch, there's a missile, and it says the 24th of February, and the missile is hitting the trunk of the tree, and the tree is bleeding, because February 24th is the day that Russia attacked Ukraine. Diana Norchuk is 15. That's a challenging time in anybody's life, but especially when you've been uprooted from everything that's familiar. She says it's a relief to be able to show up at this school and feel a bit like you're back home. We have uh, just a little piece in Warsaw, a little piece of Ukraine, because here is people from my native uh, city, from my native country that speak my native uh, language. 
when you're at school, do you try to focus just on learning and studying and doing the work? Or is there also an opportunity to think and talk about what everybody is going through in this difficult time? I try to uh, not focus on this theme because uh, every time when I come into Instagram or Telegram, I see the news with uh, what's wrong in the uh, Lviv, what's wrong in the Kiev, Kharkiv, and it's broke my heart. So uh, uh, I try to focus on the learning, studying. Not all of her distractions are related to war. First of all, I must have prom at this time. Yes. You are determined to have a prom. Yes. Along with everything else she has to deal with, being a refugee means she might not get to have the prom she's always dreamed of. According to the UN, half the people who fled Ukraine are children. Poland has taken in more than a million Ukrainian kids. And they're not living in refugee camps, which is a good thing in many ways, but it means the kids are spread out all over the place. So providing education is more of a challenge. And so the Ukrainian kids in Poland are not all in special schools that were built for refugees. This is a Polish public school on the other side of Warsaw. It had a student body of 300, then the war started, and the school added 100 Ukrainian kids. All the students here have special permission to use their phones for Google Translate. 14-year-old Masha Zamorov sits down with us in a classroom where the walls are lined with homemade posters of Ukrainian flags and the desks have been painted yellow and blue for Ukraine. Sometimes, when I have break, I think about Ukraine. It's very hard. But then there is another lesson after that. That must be really difficult. Yeah, it's hard, because if everything were normal, it would just be different. But now, with the war in Ukraine, I have to think about my home. Is it still standing, or did a bomb fly through it? It's like roulette. She came to Poland with her parents, but her 28-year-old brother stayed behind. He's staying at home because he can't get any job now. And sometimes he goes to the shelter when there are sirens. When do you hope you will be able to see him again? I have no idea when I will see my brother, because when the war started, my mom just took me. But she was not able to take him, because he's an adult. So he just had to stay there. Men of military age aren't allowed to leave Ukraine. And so little kids struggle to understand why their father or their big brother isn't around. Ina Demchenko is the mother of a nine-year-old boy whose father is still in Kiev. Oh, of course, I'm trying to create some stories because uh, he doesn't need uh, truth. But uh, I, I'll say tomorrow, in a few weeks, in a month, everything will be okay. And then we'll, you'll see your dad and you'll see your grannies and you'll see every, everybody, your friends. And for some time, of course, it helped. The longer he stays, uh, the, the less he thinks about uh, the situation. Yeah. 
Is it helpful for him to talk to his dad, or does that just remind him of the distance and the separation? It depends, because sometimes, of course, he he plays and he forgets about everything. He uh, contacts uh, contacts his father uh, and just uh, telling him about uh, his day. Uh, but uh, in a few hours, uh, when he goes to bed, of course, he remembers that uh, a few months ago he stayed with him and slept with him and uh, spent time with him. I was here two months ago and saw how welcoming Polish people were. And I wondered before I came back this time whether people would have started to lose patience. No, they don't lose. I really, I'm really surprised, but they don't. They really help even now, even I think, uh, I don't know for how long it will uh, continue, yeah, but, but I'm impressed. It doesn't seem like anybody is losing patience, but you can see the strain. Eva Dujinska is an English teacher at the Polish public school. It's a really big, big challenge, and they were not prepared for this. She says her classes are not too different since she always conducts them in English, but some of her colleagues who teach in Polish are struggling. It was like the pandem- when the pandemic started. We needed to, you know, go through that new era of edu- online education. And we did it well, but it took some time for us to, uh, to learn how it functions, everything. And now it's the same. I mean, nobody uh, predicted that. Nobody told us that it's going to be like that. Nobody asked them if they want to do it. I mean, it's kind of like we were maybe not forced. It's not a good word, but uh, we don't have much choice. All across Poland, kids, parents and teachers are trying to adapt, struggling to stay flexible without knowing how long they'll have to keep this up. At the all-Ukrainian school, kids from California sent homemade cards to the refugee students. They hang on a string, and kids open them to see what's inside. There are rainbows, hearts, and one with a Ukrainian flag on the front and a short story written inside in a child's uneven scrawl. Once upon a time, there was a man, and that man went to a country and said, this country you live in is actually my country, and you will have to live with my rules. And what the people that live there said, no, we are brave, we believe in ourselves, and we are strong. But the man still wanted the country, and he tried to go to war, but then the people that lived there said, No, we are independent. We support each other. We are strong. And who won? Well, you'll have to figure that out by yourself. Tomorrow on the program, we'll talk to three Polish young adults about how this war has changed their generation. Those five days were the most intense uh, days in my life. After that, when I came back to Warsaw, I needed to reevaluate everything that I do in my life, actually. I have a corporate job, so now I just want to quit my job. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? These are all things parents ask when they home shop. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This message comes from NPR sponsor Linda Mood Bell. 
Linda Mood Bell's summer instruction for reading, comprehension, and math can help students catch up or get ahead. Summer instruction is designed to help children feel more confident, prepared, and excited about learning and school in the fall. Linda Mood Bell's evidence-based approach is individualized for all types of students with challenges that affect learning, including dyslexia. Learn more at lindamoodbell.com NPR. Humans are kind of overrated. Over on Shortwave, a science podcast, we're only kind of kidding. We're bringing you the wondrous world of animal science to your daily life. From queer animal love stories to songbird memories, we're showing you how critter knowledge informs human science. Listen now to Shortwave, a podcast from NPR.